you are blessed. If you know Jesus and Jesus has touched your life, you are blessed. Full stop, end of statement, new paragraph, new book. It's it. You are, you are blessed. Amen. Hazel is blessed. Yes. <laughs> and that's what I want to talk about this, this morning is just how amazingly blessed we are, but yet to be a blessing, which then links into, um, uh, uh, you know, so many of the songs and the threads that we were, we were singing uh, about this morning. But, you know, the next, oh, uh, uh, sorry, Sam. If you go on to the next one, doesn't matter what you've been through. Uh, you've led me through fire, darkest night, you're close. Um, uh, we make a mess. Uh, don't we make a mess? And a pickle, and a, and a failing, and a disaster. Uh, and then we do the odd bit, right? But whatever happens, he is faithful. And he's also known as the great redeemer. And, and sometimes just use a different word because it's more a rescuer. He rescues us out of our pickles and our darkest nights and our hopelessness and all the rest of it and puts us, puts us on a firm foundations and puts things right. When you have no deserved right to be right, he takes what is wrong and makes it right. And he, and he does that throughout the whole Bible. The whole picture of um, uh, the great high priest is that he takes the imperfect couple of pigeons, the Old Testament picture is if you couldn't afford to have a really good quality offering, uh, a burnt offering, then you just bring along a couple of pigeons and the great high priest would do a bit of this and a bit of that and, poof, and it would be acceptable to the Lord. You bring along your miserable little piece of worship or your miserable little piece of life because if you're feeling like that, sometimes that's all you can bring. And then God takes that, Jesus takes that, and says, I will do something with that and turn that into a perfect and acceptable incense offering to God. And that incense goes up and he says, I love that. Let me come in and bless you and heal you and touch you because he is good. It's kind of as simple as that, really. It's kind of as simple as that. So um, anyway, ram rambling introduction uh, over. Uh, 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 hello. Uh, <clears throat> uh, did you notice that spring has sprung? Woo woo! <clears throat> uh, need the warmth to come up a little bit, uh, uh, but um, uh, and there's just uh, just a little bit of a word of encouragement just for a, uh, a few people here. You might think your life or your circumstances are bare sticks and and not got much life, and God's got just a word for you, which is spring is coming. New things are coming out of what looks like dead. And you might feel that some of your circumstances and this, it's not full of life. And I'm seeing in the, in the nature and natural that it's full of life and all the rest of it. And God says, watch, I will do a thing. And that which looks dead will burst into life. And new things which were not there before will be sprung out of nothing because I am the creator and I will do a new thing and a blessed thing in, in you. So if you just feel like some of the elements of your life is just like a stick uh, and there's not much going on, then just say, Lord, do that in my life. You just claim that and just say, do that, bring life. He's, he's a lover of bringing life to, to uh, all things and all situations. Amen? 
So um, <clears throat> I retired at Easter uh, from, from Smith and Nephew. I got to the, the grand old age uh, of 59 uh, in, in January, uh, which is terribly young to retire. So I'm not actually going to retire. I'm just retiring from Smith and Nephew, and I'm going to do other stuff. But um, uh, <clears throat> uh, you know the sons of Issachar in the Bible, then they knew the times of the seasons, and so they did smart things, and they advised so, um, so I'm not quite as smart as the sons of Issachar, but I am smart enough to actually say, I'm going to take a moment before I decide what I want to do next. So I actually can perceive and understand the times and the seasons. So I'm having a little chill-out phase. <laughs> uh, and I'm spending more time at home, which is winding Sandra up terribly. <laughs> And so I've been doing all this research, you know, on, on the internet, reading books and all this sort of stuff. And I've been doing this for the last couple of years because I knew this was coming. So, you know, uh, I'm going to talk about a couple of threads and themes out of, you know, a favorite book uh, that we've got at the moment, which Sandra and I both uh, got an awful lot out of it. A friend of ours gave it uh, to us a couple of years ago. Uh, and it's actually written by a, a Franciscan priest. So uh, it comes from a sort of Catholic background which then uses language which, as a Protestant, I'm not quite familiar with. So when you're reading things, you're having to really think about what's written on every page. It's actually quite a good discipline. Because a lot of the, the books, you know, I read normally, then, you know, I recognize that. Yep, yep, understand. yeah, I agreed with that. Oh, that's interesting. You know, think about that. Whereas every page, it's challenging you on actually you know, on stuff. So it's been a slow read, but I've read it three times in the last uh, uh, two years. So, um, you know, it's been sort of challenging me. But also on, the, uh, I found um, some interesting stats about um, uh, when uh, partners come together uh, so, uh, and this is talking about men and women, that when men and women come together and spend time together at home, the woman picks up seven hours of additional work and the man picks up one. <laughs> and this might explain some of the frustration that Sandra's been expressing in my direction. <clears throat> I, I was, you know, in the kitchen... Uh, standing at the sink, doing, doing, doing something. I wasn't cleaning my motorbike in the sink or anything like that. I was doing something kitcheny in the, in the, in the, in the uh, and she comes along. And, you know, we're, we're, we're getting on really well, and it's all very nice, and we're loving each other and having, like, you know, falling in love with each other all again, and it's all fresh and all the rest of it. And she just comes along and goes, <clears throat> and then pushes me out of the way and stands here. And then just goes on. It's just like, oh, excuse me, I exist. <laughs> And, and you, but you were in the way. But you could have used words. Words exist for a good reason to say, excuse me, or can you just, can you just stop what you're doing? I want to do this. But, and then she looked and went, no. And then, just, and then got on. So we're having to learn to negotiate around each other. But I do recognize that um, uh, the male of the species can be a little bit more lazy or non-observant of stuff. And, and I create more work and more hassle for, for Sandra at home. I'm really sorry, dear, but this is the rest of our lives. <laughs> um, <coughs> get, get used to it. Uh, <coughs> so uh, you learn all sorts of stuff on the internet. And, and I was reading also about, you know, how sort of um, chat, bot, chat GBT and all this sort of stuff is all going to, you know, artificial intelligence is all taking over the world. And, you know, be, working at Smith & Nephew, we did medical research and, you know, we were working with artificial intelligence systems. And they've, in some areas, they really, you know, make a big difference. The classic one is on the detection of breast cancer. Um, uh, they essentially trained a computer, I'll do the simple version, they trained a computer through, them, through the mammograms to actually 
work alongside uh, uh, radiographers and surgeons to actually do a better diagnosis than just a surgeon on their own. And because it, it's essentially image, image characterization, image recognition, and then actually, you know, pixels, different colors, and when you see these comes, you, know, you think, oh, that's really good. And then, and then you get, you know, other things, which is, you know, the invention of robots uh, that now do the hoovering in the house. Uh, and my nephew has one of these, and they think this is marvelous. They go to bed, and the hoover wanders around downstairs uh, and, and cleans the house, and they arrive in the morning, and it's just immaculate. Um, but um, uh, artificial intelligence and robots and computers ultimately are dumb. Uh, and, and that's why, you know, like with the radiographer thing, the, the best outcomes are where you actually have the computer working alongside the surgeon or the radiographer, because you get those, those bits coming together. Um, uh, they're robots. Uh, also didn't have a computer, didn't have it driven into it, that they have dogs. Uh, and this dog was sick. <coughs> and so the vacuum cleaner, then, and they didn't notice, then spread the sick throughout the whole of their downstairs. And it did it in lovely little straight lines. <coughs> it then took them the rest of the weekend to clean their house. <coughs> so not everything you read about artificial intelligence and robots is going gonna, is gonna to make us redundant uh, and all the rest of it. Anyway, I better get on. So, <coughs> hello, I'm Stuart. I've just retired. Uh, uh, I thought that was someone laughing at my jokes. So... <coughs> uh, Yes, Genesis 12. Um, this is where, you know, the call of Abraham, uh, as it was at that point, be became Abraham. Uh, <clears throat> and it just says, I'm going to bless you. Uh, shall we have a look at it? So I will make you into a great nation, this is in verse 2, and I will bless you. Now God multiplies this, uh, you know, over the following chapters. He keeps saying it and repeating and adding to it and building it. But this is the, the base of the, the blessing of Abraham, as it's called. And I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you. And there's a, re there's a little thread that's going to evolve through my, my little talk this morning, which is where we bless God adds blessing. So where we speak well of people, because that's just a form of blessing, God adds blessing. When we speak good things, kind things, um, uh, Hazel, your hair's looking wonderful this morning. It's the, it, you know, it's the banalest, little simplest thing. It, God chooses to touch kindness with kindness. He loves when we love when you really, you know, in, in my little sort of, you know, just sort of chilling out on things a little bit and thinking about things, um, uh, when you're out of the busyness of, of having to go and do stuff, you start to think about things in a little bit more of a pausing way, in a, in a more considered way, and you actually start to see the world a little differently. Um, it's interesting seeing, you know, our, our children, they're now having their children, um, uh, and they're like mad, mad busy. They can't think about anything. Uh, and, and we sit there and go, ha, revenge. Uh, 
because they did it to us. Uh, and, and, it's, and it's beautiful and it's wonderful. But my goodness, they don't have a minute to think. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, you're trying to give them advice, but they're not listening because they're so busy. Uh, and so you, you just we'll just be nice to them. Uh, we'll, and we'll just tidy up a little bit, or Sandra does. Uh, and then, uh, 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 and, and, and so it, it goes on. But when you stop and pause, God can speak. Did you know, um, uh, this is going to be a rambly talk, we're not, we're not going to get through any of this. Um, <clears throat> <clears throat> you were born in God's heart before you were conceived in your mother's womb. He knew you before. You were of heaven. You are of God. You are God-breathed. Everyone on the planet is God-breathed. Whether they know Jesus today or not, they, everyone started off before they were born and they, they were conceived in their mother's womb. They were of heaven. You are of heaven. Then a whole bunch of stuff happens in life and all the rest of it and you feel a bit uh, mucked about and, uh, and, uh, and soiled and this and that and all the rest of it. And then you discover Jesus and he rescues you and redeems you and then puts the Holy Spirit inside of you and says... This guy's going to really help you, you live and learn and, and grow and all the rest of it. But in essence, he's put heaven on top of heaven inside of you. There is something sacred inside of you and inside of me that we need to discover afresh. And pausing allows you to discover, not only am I redeemed, but I was made of heaven in the first place. And God put a, a something inside of me that I've not yet fully discovered. And I want to discover what's the fullness of the gift of God, the touch of heaven that's inside of me. And I want to discover that and let God expose that in me in a way that I've not seen or touched before. I've been a Christian a good little while, not quite as long as Sandra, uh, even though she is younger than me. Uh, then uh, 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 we've got so much to learn about ourselves and about him. And I don't mean I'm going to find myself and stand on a rock in a, in a funny pose and, 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 and discover, you know, ooh, I like cheese. No, I'm not, I'm not talking about that type of find yourself. Find the person of heaven inside of you. Because God puts something wonderful inside of every single one of us to bless the world. And then he took it and he magnified it through the redeeming work of Jesus Christ and the empowering work of the Holy Spirit. And he said, go and bless my world that I created and I loved. His voice is in every rock and every pebble and every tree and everything. It, the whole world and all of creation is his. And he wants someone to join with him and bless everything that he has made. Amen? When you think about, you know, like, so, you know, I'm sort of pausing and reflecting a little bit. And when you, you think and you come up a level and you just think, you know, what is it that really matters? Uh, God so loved the world and he wants to bless it. Everything else is kind of like, you know, how should we run church and um, how many songs should we sing and how we do that and how do we do it? It's all kind of like, yeah, 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 yeah. What really matters is who am I and who is God? Amen. And then actually, what, what am I meant to do? I'm, I'm meant to bless people. And then God says, excellent. 
I'm now going to come in and bless on top of that blessing. So, Abram, uh, that's where it started. <clears throat> uh, the book that um, Sandra and I have been reading uh, is called Falling Upwards, which I think is just a beautiful description of my life. Uh, lots of falling, lots of failing, lots of making a mess, lots of saying Sandra, uh, sorry to Sandra, and then um, Sandra, because she's better at it, she says sorry to me faster than I say sorry to her because we still want to be right sometimes. Have you, have you noticed this? And then uh, God said to Sandra a, f- a good number of years ago, do you want to be right or reconciled when she was upstairs and I was downstairs and we'd had an ag- argument? Um, and, and, and Sandra said, reconciled, but not until he said sorry. Uh, <clears throat> and we've tried to live that out a little bit, which is, you know, to be reconciled rather than being right. Being right's nice, but it's a very self-indulgent thing. Being reconciled is, is a wonderful thing, wonderful thing. Being reconciled to God is a truly wonderful, uh, wonderful thing. But this sort of falling uh, upwards, uh, uh, and in, in that, that book, he, he quotes from Archide- Archimedes, uh, uh, the Greek um, philosopher, Archimedes screw, uh, all that sort of stuff. Uh, and, and Archimedes describes life as, uh, all you're trying to do is find out what your position is, and then how big a lever have you got uh, uh, biggest crowbar to shift this enormous problems of life in front of us and if there's a whole pile of us we can shift things a little bit more so what's my position and how big a crowbar have I gotten and then and then and then we retire and die and he describes that as life and that describes in some parts what the world sees as life um, I retire you're useless you're not economically active is what the government calls me uh, and says, because you're now avoiding paying tax uh, and all this sort of stuff, and, and uh, et cetera, and you're now taking from the state rather than giving to the state, and because you're now, you're now pulling on, on your crowbar. The world values a lot of surface stuff. And it doesn't matter what your age is, that finding out your deeper stuff is actually the thing of true gold, silver, diamonds, and rubies, and true value and true wealth. It's not how big your lever is. It's not what job title and job position you had or anything like that. It's have you connected to your true purpose? Have you connected to who God made you to be? And have you connected to your Redeemer to actually allow, fundamentally, you to be blessed? God's destiny for you is to be blessed. For you to sing the song, all my life you have been faithful. That's what, that's what he wants. It's really simple. He just wants you to be loved and blessed. And then for you to open up and to be a lover and a blesser of others. It's really, really simple. And when you just take that moment to think it's not about, you know, what was my job title or what was my this or did, how much did I earn or I didn't earn and did I have um, uh, one wife or ten wives. It's, it doesn't, none of those things ultimately matter. They do. They're valuable. They're important. But actually what really, really matters is that former thing of, of am I connected into heaven and is heaven channeling through me? You know, there's, there's in your life, there's 20 to 60, maybe 80 people that you will get close with. Your job, that's, that's your parish. Whether they're Christians or not, that's your parish. That's your field. 
those, let's call it 60 people, that you are going to get close to. Jesus talks in, in Luke 10 when he sends out the 72. Uh, he says, um, so, that, you know, the disciples go out and, you know, uh, uh, oh, you know, lack of faith and all this sort of stuff. And, oh, dear me, I'll come along and do it. And then he sends out the 72. And at the end of the 72 coming back, Jesus is jumping with joy because the amateurs went out and did it right. Hello, amateurs. <laughs> Hello, 72. Hello, professional. Uh, <clears throat> we're all amateurs at this. We're all in the group of the 72. And Jesus said, you do four things uh, in that bit in Luke 10. Uh, and he says, you go to a place and you say, and you, and you basically does say peace to this household. And if they go peace back, which is, I like you, hang with them. That's what it says next. Just go and eat and drink and don't hop from place to place. Hang with them. Get to know them, your neighbors. You'll have some neighbors who your peace doesn't rest on. Ignore them. You'll have some neighbors who you describe as nice. Hang with them. Get to know them. Um, uh, and, and then get to understand what their needs are. And then it says, let the kingdom of God come. And basically miracles happens and stuff happens. But basically because you've built connection relationship in the place of peace in the place of friendship, in the place of care, you've then got to know them and understand their needs. And then if I use a different word, you bless them. Amen? There's going to be, let's call it 60 people in your life that you get really close with. There'll be family members, there'll be neighbors, there'll be work colleagues, there'll be uh, mums and toddlers people, there'll be all sorts of reasons that you'll get close with them. Your destiny is to bless them. Amen? The world says you've got no value to give. And it wants you to shut up with actually what your true calling is. Your true calling is to bless the people that you are walking alongside because you are blessed. Amen? And <clears throat> uh, uh, making a mess is, is, is quite good. Did you know that? It doesn't disqualify you. It really, really doesn't. Moses made an absolute mess of leading the people, the, um, uh, the children of Israel out of Egypt. Uh, God multiple times wanted to kill them off. Uh, and God kept saying, these are your people that you pulled out of Egypt. They're not my lot. I'm going to wipe them out. I'm going to make you into a great nation. Uh, uh, and then, you know, and, and Moses intervenes and then they have a big conflab and then they go, oh, carry on, we'll, we'll keep working with these guys uh, and all the rest of it. And, uh, and, we know this, and we know the story. But if you take the, the picture of uh, um, when uh, they first get out of Egypt, uh, they come to uh, laying out the Ten Commandments. Moses goes up the mountain with 72 elders and, and Joshua and all that sort of stuff. And then comes down, uh, sp Moses spends 40 days up the mountain. Uh, the rest of e uh, Israel, they get a bit sort of touching impatient, and they decide they're, they're going to make a golden calf and all the rest of it. And God says, you better go down to that lot, because they're not my lot anymore. Uh, the, 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 your problem. And Moses comes down the mountains, and it's just a disaster. You know, the idol worship and this, that, and the other. And Moses breaks the stone tablets, and, and he's angry, and rah, rah, uh, And then um, he, uh, he intervenes, and God's going to wipe him out, and then no, it's not, and all that sort of stuff. And then he says, God says, I'm going to send 
I'm going to, okay, I'm going to send you into the promised land, but I'm not going with you because I don't like you anymore. Uh, uh, off you go. Uh, I'll send an angel with you, but I ain't coming. And then Moses says, if you ain't going, I ain't going. Uh, <clears throat> and, then, uh, and then God loves that, um, if you do the short version, and basically says, yes, my presence will go with you. And then he says, what do you want? And he says, basically, I want to have an encounter with you. The first time he went up the mountain, and it was all, let's just call it, it was all law and no encounter. The second time when God then recreated the, well, he just took new stone tablets and he created them, but it was all in the context of, this is now based, Moses, on you having a personal encounter with me. The first time Moses came out of the cloud and came down the mountain, there was no shiny face. The second time, after it was all an unmitigated failure and disaster, and it was just like, why have you dragged us out of Egypt? We're all going to just die in the desert. And all this uh, uh, golden calf uh, disaster, God rejecting them. After that disaster, then through encounter with God, there's the rescue of the situation. But not only is the rescue of the situation, that's when you see Moses, every time he's in the presence of God, you see Moses' face shining. And even Moses, they had to put a veil over him because he was so shiny, shiny. <clears throat> you also see, and God send, says to Moses, you are going to be blown away because I'm now going to do so many miracles through you. It all happens because of encounter. For you to bless others, you need to have an encounter with Jesus so that you know and that you know that you know, no matter how much of a mess you make of things, he is my redeemer. And all my life, you have been faithful. Nothing disqualifies me from blessing Hazel. Because we put so many conditions on, I'm not going to pray for someone. I'm not going to bless someone because I don't feel holy. It's rubbish. All my life you have been faithful. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. We put so many false conditions on ourselves because it's what the world does. Because, Stuart, to be successful, you've got to be good at your work and you've got to do this and you've got to do that. And, all, and it's all conditional. And God just says, you're mine. Yeah, full stop. Because I made you in the first place and I know what I made. And I know what I made is good. And I then came back and redeemed it and tidied it up and made it perfect and made everything that you, you do holy and acceptable because that's the job of the, the great high priest so that you can be a blessing. <clears throat> uh, anointed and wisdom, for those of you uh, who know, the, know them, uh, um, uh, their mum died a few years ago. We got very uh, involved in them. They're down in London now. So I was down in London, popping to see them. Uh, they're both doing amazingly well. Uh, uh, and really, uh, you know, God has rescued them uh, uh, and, and blessed them and blesses them today and will bless them for all the days of their life. So they're doing really, really well. Chatting to Wisdom, uh, uh, she's uh, back along at um, Hillsong's uh, church in the Dominion Theatre in London, uh, uh, rammed out uh, loads of people. Uh, they, before COVID, they were doing um, five, six, seven services on a Sunday. Uh, today, they're only doing one because they can't get enough volunteers. Uh, but the place is rammed. 
the thing that's holding them back is just somehow through COVID, Christians have got city downy. <clears throat> We need to reawaken something that God has put inside of us that says we'll not be silent. Your job is to richly bless, touch, love 60 people. Never mind all the other things that God got you to do. Every single one of us, as Jesus has said, he has already made us competent as ministers because of what he has done. And he says, I've equipped you because you are blessed. Go and be a blessing to others. And do not, the real message of today is, do not disqualify yourself for being a blessing to someone else. Because you are the answer that they need. Amen? Um, <clears throat> I, I, I want to make this make this reinforced um let me use a bigger expression of it you have to fail humanly to be able to succeed in god no one apart from jesus has succeed has been perfect and has hit the mark and has qualified themselves for heaven no one no one has qualified themselves for encounter with God. No one. No one has qualified themselves to pray blessing on someone else. No one. We have all failed and fallen short. We've all done a Moses. We've all done a Jacob and been a deceiver all our lives, but yet God decides to have an encounter with him and say, no longer deceiver, but now father of a nation. You will be called Israel. Jacob did not earn that. He practiced, when you look at the life of Jacob, he practiced deception and lies all his life. And when he got caught out for it, oops, terribly sorry, literally the next verse, he's back in doing it again. He was a perpetual sinner. I'm one of those. Sandra's one of those. She was preaching at the Thursday prayer meeting about patience and kindness and goodness. And she was driving home 10 minutes after that prayer meeting had finished. And uh, on the phone, chat, chat, hello, darling. What's this idiot in front of me? <laughs> Will they get a move on? This, this person isn't getting a move on. What were you talking about in the prayer? Patience. Could not see the irony of it. We are perpetual sinners and failures the world and the enemy will accuse you and say that disqualifies you from being any use to anybody. It is 